It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to have you aboard with us. It is another episode of the Locked on Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. This is episode number 164. That's right, 164. And it's good to have you aboard with us. Hope you guys had a great weekend and celebrated and remembered and honored the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as many Americans uh, did and people all over the world on Monday. Uh, as many had a, a three-day weekend and, of course, a national holiday uh, of remembrance uh, and, again, honoring of his life and what he did for uh, race relations and what he did for many, many, many people and how inspiring he still is. So with that being said, right to it, the business at hand, and let's get to it because we have a bunch of things to cover here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. We'll start with this. The Redskins have lost another assistant coach. Now, this one was somebody that we expected perhaps to get fired. But perhaps what we were kind of dropping the ball on was that he would just get a new job first before getting fired. Now, Torian Gray, the Redskins defensive backs coach for the last two years, was clearly on the outside looking in. Now, whether his contract was up, I never heard that or not. Um, But he has left for the University of Florida before any announcement was made that the Redskins had parted ways with him. Now, that doesn't mean that they hadn't, and it just didn't leak out. That doesn't mean that his contract was up and nobody knew. But Torian Gray was never coming back to the Redskins in 2019. That was pretty clear. The Redskins had met with and talked with uh, Joe Woods, who is a former Bronco defensive coordinator and a defensive backs coach, and basically he took that role along with the defensive passing game coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. They had met with, as we reported last week, and John Kime as well from ESPN, John Hoke, who was the defensive backs coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had talked to one or two other candidates, uh, names I'm not sure of, but the bottom line is is they were either looking to move on or Torian Gray was looking to move on, and it just took some time to sort this out. But Torian Gray is going back to the University of Florida as their defensive backs coach uh, under uh, Dan Mullen, their head coach who's been there for a year now uh, with Florida. Now, why that's somewhat significant besides the Redskins' angle is that Torian Gray left Florida to come to the Redskins two years ago. So he goes back there, but this is a different administration, different head coach, so on and so forth. But good for him. Wish him the best. Clearly, the Redskins regressed 
in their defensive backfield this year, in their secondary, at corner, whether that was because of the departures of Kendall Fuller and Bashad Breeland, the injury to Quentin Dunbar, Josh Norman not being as good as everybody thinks he is, um, Greg Stroman, Danny Johnson, and guys of that ilk, Adonis Alexander not developing fast enough. Uh, although, again, as we profiled last week in the skin spotlight, I think Danny John, I mean, uh, I think Greg Stroman played reasonably well, all things considered. Now, the bottom line is, is Torian Gray is gone. So the Redskins are now going to have to replace Torian Gray, their defensive backs coach, Kirk Olivadotti, their linebackers coach, uh, and as well, you know, obviously they let Ben Kotwika go to the Atlanta Falcons, and over the weekend, as we told you about in episode number 163, and broke down in painstaking detail, <laughs> they hired Nate Katsour to be their new special teams coordinator. So, right now as we know it, they still have two vacancies on their defensive staff because of the hiring of Katzer, uh to replace Cut Week at special teams. So, again, as we know it, they have two but there are still plenty of coaches looking to get out. But whether they can get out, whether they can get new jobs or not, that remains to be seen. Still plenty of coaches that are looking to get out. Now, let's get to the other news, and that is Jason Locke and four of CBS Sports over the weekend reported that Dan Snyder put the heavy press on both Todd Bowles first and then Greg Williams second in trying to recruit them to become the defensive coordinator of the Washington Redskins. They apparently flew Todd Bowles into Redskins Park on their private jet, on Dan's private jet, basically said, hey, we'll pay you whatever it takes, basically also said we would be willing to alter some things in the front office. Now, some people, and I believe it was actually Locking for himself on 106.7 The Fan, my home station, where I also work, uh, with my buddy Grant Paulson on Monday, speculated that maybe that would have included Doug Williams uh, over Bruce Allen. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what the situation was. I don't know what was promised. Maybe that's just speculation. We don't know. But the bottom line is, it was an interesting report because, as the report suggests, Dan Snyder was spearheading the charge and was leading the charge, not Jay Gruden. And I had told you guys all along that Jay Gruden hired Greg Minuski two years ago, and I didn't think wanted to fire him, and I didn't think would fire him. Why? Because Jay Gruden likes Greg Minuski. Jay Gruden thinks Greg Minuski is not the problem. Maybe Jay Gruden thinks they could do better, but clearly, according to the report, which sourced one person Dan Snyder was taking the charge on this after keeping Jay Gruden in charge, after keeping Bruce Allen around. And supposedly the report, uh, well, according to the report, supposedly a potential stumbling block in some people's eyes around the NFL, and obviously we've heard this as well, is that not only does Jay Gruden have really not two years of security. I mean, he does contractually, but really he's a lame duck going into a make-or-break sixth year. But also, people are turning their nose, and correctly so, at the Redskins because of Bruce Allen. And if you're Dan Snyder and you're just hearing about this now and maybe you lose out on the apple of your eye 
Todd Bowles, Greg Williams. Maybe it happens again somewhere down the line. I don't know. Maybe somebody on the staff says something, hey, this is really problematic. Maybe it's Eric Schaefer. Maybe it's Jay Gruden. Maybe it's whoever. This is really problematic. It's hurting us. Maybe, maybe, maybe at that point, Dan Snyder finally relents and finally changes his mind for good and stops waffling and removes Bruce Allen from football operations. Maybe. Just maybe. All right, so that's uh, two bits of news on the day. Next, we will have really, really, really positive news when it comes to Alex Smith, the Washington Redskins quarterback still. Yes, you may have forgotten about him. I don't know how, but you may have forgotten about him. Really good news when it comes to Alex Smith next, right here on episode number 164 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are back on the Locked On Redskins podcast. Good to have you aboard with us. It is episode number 164. I am your host, Chris Russell. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter, at Russellmania621. And more importantly, Make sure you follow at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins. And as well, make sure you follow at Locked On NFL Net, at Locked On NFL Net. So you may have seen, and we tweeted this at Locked Redskins uh, on Twitter and as well on my own Twitter. uh, And I believe it was retweeted at Locked On NFL Net that Alex Smith, the Redskins quarterback, was at the Washington Wizards home game on Martin Luther King Monday. He was first pictured and videotaped in a luxury box sitting on a chair. I couldn't tell whether it was a wheelchair or not, but sitting on a chair and with crutches behind him and with his leg heavily bandaged and with a metal or what appeared to be a metal rod type structural type brace. I later found out uh, through listener uh, Carol Hills uh, at C Hills 2011 on Twitter uh, after she did some reading about it from Dr. David Chow, a buddy of mine and a longtime NFL sideline physician, and we retweeted all of this stuff uh, again and 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 put up the links uh, again at Locked Redskins at WrestleMania 621. It was called the structure or the support or the brace was called a quote-unquote external fixator. And what Carol mentioned was it can actually speed up the healing process of a leg infection because it's not a cast where you have a open wound or you have a healing wound and you have an infection and a healing infection that they can't get to under a hard cast. So this allows medical treatment to be administered, however the medical treatment is being administered, to Alex Smith's leg, presumably by needle, presumably by some sort of ointment, 
to control, prevent more infection, maintain infection, however it gets done. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't know if we're ever going to get the answers to that. But the bottom line is, is this equipment or this brace, this support, uh, which as Dr. David Chow, longtime sideline physician in the NFL, who now works for the San Diego Union Tribune and the Athletic and uh, a couple of other places, said it's constructed of rings and rods. And basically, this is an expected step. And again, it is designed to allow more treatment and more regular and daily treatment. So I took this to be a really good sign. Uh, Then Alex Smith was videoed, and he was not hiding. He was smiling. He was happy. He was videotaped walking around in the Wizards locker room on Monday afternoon with his son. uh, It was, I mean, all smiles. Again, he was not walking that I saw without crutches. But the bottom line is, is he was putting pressure on his foot, uh, theoretically on his leg, without very little support. Um, And maybe he's walking around without the crutches when we can't see him in rehab. This is a great sign. Look, I don't know if Alex Smith is going to play professional football again. I have no idea. I would doubt it. I would doubt very much that he's going to play. If, If he plays professional football, maybe 2020. I would doubt he plays in 2019. I can't rule it out anymore because, honestly, we didn't know until now that Alex Smith still had his right leg intact. What I mean by that is there was rumors, allegations. There were people speculating privately, not so privately, about amputation. The Redskins refused to answer that. I understand why. Alex Smith and his wife refused to answer that. I understand why. The bottom line is this. We now know, confirmed 100%, that Alex Smith is not only out of the hospital, which we found out about a month ago, but also does have his right leg intact, was not amputated. Great. Awesome. And is on the men's and can walk around a little bit. And yes, while he still is far, far, far away from playing professional football, never mind the year. First and foremost, for Alex Smith and his family, that's great. I'm so happy. Secondly, for the Washington Redskins, it provides you a little bit of hope. Maybe not for 2019, maybe for 2020. Maybe not in August, maybe in November. We don't know. But now at least we have some answers And today, that's good enough for me. Maybe it's not good enough for you. Maybe it's still a disaster. Maybe he never plays again. We don't know. But the bottom line is, for him to be out in public, for him to be walking around with crutches, for him to be putting pressure on the leg and the foot, I think is so, so, so important. For him, for the Redskins, for his family, and for his future. Again, we don't know if he's going to play or not. It's not even that important right at this moment. What is important is that he still has his right leg and he's able to get around and he's not trying to hide anything. 
That is a really, really positive step. So congratulations uh, and very happy, obviously, for Alex Smith and his family. Now, what we also need to mention uh, as part of this episode number 164 is the Redskins a couple of years ago made a decision. They made one decision and they had one decision kind of forced on them. After an 8-7 and 1 season, which followed a division title in 2015, after an 8-7 and 2016, in which the Redskins had a chance to make the playoffs and a win would have gotten them into the playoffs over the Giants at FedEx Field, Giants playing for nothing, they were already in the playoffs, not playing half their lineup. The Redskins lost and they finished 8-7 and 1. They fired Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, and then they lost Sean McVay, their offensive coordinator, at that point 30 years old to the head coaching position of the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay then turned around, hired Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator, but then hired Joe Barry as his assistant head coach and in charge of linebackers. What do you know? Two years later, end of year two for those guys in Los Angeles and Sean McVay, Joe Barry, and Aubrey Pleasant of the Los Angeles Rams, three ex-Redskins coaches in the Super Bowl. Congratulations, obviously, to those guys. Listen, Sean McVay is going to get all the shine. He deserves all the adulation. He's going to be 33 later on this week. He is brilliant. He is such a people person. He is such a good dude. I love him. I met him when he was 23 years old, 2010. He came and introduced himself to me. We had a great conversation. I had no idea who he was. He was not fresh out of college. He had worked on the Florida Tuskers Um Indoor football staff with Jim Hazlitt and Jay Gruden. I mean, so they all knew each other. Jay Gruden wasn't with the organization, the Redskins, at that point. Jim Hazlitt was. And he was partially responsible in bringing Sean McVay, who had also worked in Tampa with Kyle Shanahan, to the Redskins. As it turns out, pretty good, right? Pretty important thing. Now, listen. I can't kill the Redskins for not blowing out Jay. How do you fire Jay Gruden after a division title and after an 8-7-1 and season despite a bitterly disappointing home loss that would have gotten you into the playoffs for a second year in a row? How do you do that? I mean, I guess you could do that because teams have moved on from even playoff coaches, right? Uh, in Tennessee, they did that a year ago. How did that work? I think Mike Vrabel's a good coach, going to be a good coach. They didn't make the playoffs this year. Yet they fired their coach, who had not only made the playoffs, but also won them a playoff game on the road in Kansas City, or helped them win a playoff game on the road in Kansas City. So you see where I'm getting at? The Redskins could have, but I don't think it would have been reasonable at the age of 30, going on 31, to fire Jay Gruden, hire Sean McVay, prevent him from going to the Los Angeles Rams, as their head coach, after Sean McVay, after Jay Gruden had finished 8-7-1, and one, had won a division title the year before, and still had two more years left on his contract. It would have been the wrong decision. It would have been an incredibly bold and gutsy decision. Ultimately, the type of decision that this team just isn't going to make. But the bottom line is this. Who's to say Sean McVay would have been successful here? I believe he would have. But with this outfit, 
with this mess, with this circus, with this roster, remember, he inherited Jared Goff, number one pick the year before that. He inherited Todd Gurley. He inherited Aaron Donald. Helps a lot when you inherit those guys. Now, that's not to say that Sean McVay is not brilliant, smart, wonderful, this, that, the other thing. Hasn't done a great job. All of that. Getting Wade Phillips there, huge. Getting Aqib Tlaib there, huge. Uh, even Marcus Peters. Getting Ndamukong Sue. Locking up Aaron Donald to a big contract extension. Bringing in John Sullivan, who was here with the Redskins in the last part of Sean McVay's final year to man the center position and be very good. Getting Andrew Whitworth, long thought to be one of the best left tackles in the NFL, to be his left tackle. Huge, 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 huge. Sean McVay has done a tremendous job. But make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. It helps that he went to Los Angeles with Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, and Jared Goff. It helps. It helps a lot. Make no mistake about that, because the Redskins, they haven't had anybody, anybody, come close to matching the talent level of those three guys. Gurley, Goff, Donald, period. They haven't had anybody. It's a lot easier to coach when you have talent. As far as Joe Barry goes, a lot of Redskins fans still sour on him, mad at him, whatever, incompetent, I heard. Get out of here. Yes, their third down defense was really bad in his final year. It was 10% lower in his first year. So I guess he all of a sudden forgot how to coach third down defense. No, in actuality, injuries, lack of production, young kids, pass rush problems, so a, a million things that went wrong. Not to say that he wasn't responsible to some degree, maybe a large degree. But if you look at their points per game, allowed in 2016, Joe Barry's last year as the defensive coordinator, if you look at their points allowed per game, and in that stat, by the way, is not always on the defense or not all on the defense. Offense and special teams factor into that heavily, which people don't figure out. Joe Barry's defense, or Joe Barry and the Redskins, allowed one point per game above the league average. One point per game above the league average. So it's not like they were historically bad across the board. They allowed a lot of first downs and a lot of third down conversions. They were really bad in that area. There is no denying that. The notion that Joe Barry is incompetent, can't coach, whatever, absurd. Just absurd. So good for Joe Barry. And Aubrey Pleasant also left to join the Rams because the Redskins wouldn't pay him what he thought he, he was worth. It's that simple. And then they hired Torian Gray instead of promoting Aubrey Pleasant, who's now in the Super Bowl. Where's Torian Gray? As we started the show, back at the University of Florida. So now you see how things come full circle when it comes to the Redskins. All right. Coming up next, we'll come back and wrap things up here on the Lockdown Redskins podcast episode number 164. We will put, let's call it Danny Johnson in the Skins spotlight next on the Lockdown Redskins podcast episode number 164. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, good to have you aboard with us. Once again, we continue right along. It is episode number 164 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. Let's put Danny Johnson, rookie corner now, as we did Greg Stroman into the skins spotlight. As far as Danny Johnson goes, he played six games on defense uh, in 2018. Again, his rookie season, he played 68, 68 total snaps. He had 18 against the rush and 50 total in coverage for Danny Johnson. He was the 29th, 29th ranked or highest rated and graded defensive player by the wash on the Washington Redskins defense by profootballfocus.com and their premium subscription package. He had a overall cumulative grade of 42.7 out of 100. Obviously not very good. Uh, Danny Johnson had a 29.2 run defense grade, a 46.8 tackling grade. Obviously not good. A 47.7 Pass coverage grade did Danny Johnson. As well, Danny Johnson had eight tackles uh, on the year, and all of them were of the assisted variety. He had he was credited with no solo tackles. So Danny Johnson also, in terms of his pass coverage, allowed uh he had three run stops. And two missed tackles. In terms of his coverage, he was 12, or opponents completed 12 passes in 13 attempts or targets into his coverage. 12 for 13. Obviously not very good, did Danny Johnson, in terms of that area. A 92.3% completion rate. For 150 yards, 125 Yards per attempt or per completion, per reception. He allowed a 74 in terms of yards after the catch, a long of 40 and two touchdowns. If you want to know why Danny Johnson was graded so low, look no further than a couple of missed tackles and really bad pass coverage. That being said, Danny Johnson at least is a developmental player that assuming if he gets better and if he takes his job seriously, which I have no reason why he wouldn't, and again, remember he was a undrafted rookie and there's a big difference playing in the preseason and how you look against that competition and how you look in training camp. Uh, and credit to him, he made the roster, so that's good. He needs to step up his game at corner big time. Now, real quickly, from a special teams perspective, he was pretty good. A 72.1 overall, a 66.3 in terms of kickoff, and Danny Johnson made six special teams tackles, according to Pro Football Focus, and did have three missed tackles, which is problematic. But Danny Johnson contributed big time there 
on special teams playing a total of 260 special team snaps, 59 on kick return, 56 on kick coverage, 51 on punt return, 55 on punt coverage. I'm not sure why I said the other thing. I apologize for that. I read that wrong. And 39 on field goal blocks. He played across the board on all of these special teams units. And he graded out, as a whole, a 72.1. So that's something to keep in mind for Danny Johnson. All right, that's going to do it. We put Danny Johnson in the skin spotlight to wrap things up here on episode number 164 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. We'll be back as soon as news warrants. Make sure you stay tuned. At Locked Redskins, at Locked On NFL Net, at WrestleMania 621, and adios. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.